0: Hey friends, welcome to Kusini, the African Grind, where we bring you the stories of young Africans from across the region, highlighting the good, the bad, and the ugly of building ventures or movement, and how they find balance in what they do. Thanks for choosing to be with us. I'm one half of your host, Maggie, And I'm the other half, Idel. Let's get into it.
1: Welcome everyone to another episode of Kusini, the African Grind. And today I am deeply excited to have Marianne Moniki on our show. Marianne is the founder of Nikos, a beauty salon, and she's heading to a decade. We just might be heading to a decade. And um, we're just grateful to have you here so that we you can tell us more about your journey, the good and bad of starting a business. This is all you've ever done, is be an entrepreneur. So, we're really excited to hear your story and even just maybe inspire people out there who are sort of thinking along your lines.
2: Welcome, Marianne. Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, you say, <laughs> use the word founder, and I'm just like, okay. <laughs> uh, in, Kenya, just in Kenya, we are just uh, business women. <laughs> Um, I'm grateful to to be invited to this pod- podcast. Um, yeah, I'd like to I'd like to talk to people about business and see if I inspire someone along the way. So it's a great opportunity for me too.
1: Um, and like I mentioned, you've been doing this for a really long time. I seven
2: think, years now.
1: Yeah, ever since I met you, one thing I've all you've always said is. I want to start my own thing. I want to start my own thing. It's it's always been super clear. I, I don't think I've ever met anyone who's just been very clear about their goal and purpose in life like you. So maybe just talk to us a bit about like, is there a time when you knew that you wanted to always be an entrepreneur? And what was that, or what was that point of decision?
2: Um, well, you know, after going to school in, you know, in a Kenyan system, we all had a moment of age to five. All of us, yeah, mm-hmm. and basically that's what we were prepared for. Let's not lie; like teachers were talking to us about going into business. I actually remember one time um, when I was in class five. So you know, the teacher comes and they're asking students like, "What do your parents do?" Um, and people were like, "Doctor, lawyer," you know. Mm. And it was it was all these glamorous, um, you know, jobs. Mm. And me, I stood up and I said, uh, like, uh, my dad had told me to say things like, he's a bookseller, he he has a bookshop, he's mm. always had a business since I can't remember. So when I stood up to say, um, he's a bookseller, the teacher asked me, like, what do you mean he's a bookseller? I told him, he has a bookshop and he sells books and stationery. And this teacher went ahead and said, um, you know, no, your dad is a shopkeeper, like, just call it what it is. And I remember in that moment, I was like, what a shopkeeper. Uh-huh. <laughs> People had just come from talking about their surgeon parents uh-huh. and their lawyers, and you know, and it was <laughs> somehow embarrassing. So I go home. I'm so upset. I go home. I tell my dad, "You're a shopkeeper, okay?" <laughs> <laughs> and I've never forgotten this because my dad tells me, "Like, I'm the shopkeeper who has his kids in private school. Just remember that." And you see, it. For a kid, it's so hard to comprehend. But now after growing up and now I've done business, because for me, I think doing business was always, since high school, I think, both my parents are in business. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was not something new. It was, I was just like falling into place, basically. You know, I, I feel like most kids tend to follow in their parents' footsteps, one way or the other. Yeah, of course, there are those ones who end up doing something completely different. But you see, those are the main influences, how you saw them move through life. Those are probably the most influential people in your life at that age. Mm. So for me, even university was more of a formality, but I won't lie, even in university, I used to think maybe I could do an 8 to 5, and I mm. figured I'd probably be good at it. But by the time we were done with university, I was, I was, I was sure, I was very sure that I wanted to get into business. I didn't know which business, but... I knew it would be a normal business, nothing really too, too much, nothing, just
1: a normal business, but like now, asylum. yes. And I, I always say this because it it stuck with me and it impressed me so much, because um, we were in the same university. And uh, when we were about to graduate, everyone was getting ready to prepare their CVs. And I remember Mirian did not prepare a CV. Days are passing, months are <laughs> passing. And I just have to say, Megan was like one of the top people in the class. And yeah, so I remember I asked you, why don't you have a CV yet? Why aren't you preparing a CV yet? And you're like, Idel, the moment I start preparing a CV, I have mentally shifted my mind to say that I'm looking for employment. I'm like, oh, mind blown. (laughs) I mean, now I think about this later, but you know, at that point, I was like, let me make you a cv on the side
2: <laughs> oh yeah i remember that you're like i'll do it <laughs> yeah you know what i care about you i'm gonna do this for you <laughs> i was very against the cv i really was i i felt like it would lock me in you know the moment you start sending it out if good offers do come my way i was mm-hmm. so afraid of that if i actually did get a good offer i might take it and i might never look back you know because the financial security must be so good. I imagine once you start getting a really good salary, you know, you're comfortable, you're living well. Quitting it's to go start it. a business is probably it's not hard. easy. Yeah. 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 And I admire people who do that. Idel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who quit good jobs to join the business, which is not easy at all. I admire them. I, I think those are the little risk-takers. Like, honestly... If I'm going to be completely honest, I was actually kind of afraid of the interviews. I didn't want to sit there and be interviewed and be rejected. <laughs> you miss a lot about a person giving an interview. There's so much you can't see, you know. And you're judging them based on these small, you know, these small pointers that ultimately might not add up to anything. I said
0: that they want to
2: hear from me. Yeah, Exactly. You know, the questions are, what is your flaws? Mm. I'm, I'm a perfectionist. I just grind too hard. (laughs) (laughs) I I actually I I think as employers I think we should change that. That should change. We miss so much of a person during an interview. Mm. So for people who be anxious during the interview, you might miss out on really great employees just because this person came, they were a bit anxious. They couldn't really present themselves the way they actually are. I, I think those are things
0: that should actually change, but you know, that's a conversation for another day. So Let me represent the 8 to 5s here just a bit. <laughs> In fact, what I resonated with is what you about your parents. Uh, so I grew up where my parents were mostly 8 to 5, um, okay. which means they were dependent on somebody else to give them that sense of stability. Then it gets to a point, all of them got retrenched. Because for me, I always knew 85 gives stability. And that moment where they were retrenched and there was no reasoning behind it, it's just that money was low, so they had to let go of people. And then I had to see the process that my parents had to struggle to eventually now start their own businesses, which now gives them that sense of security, sense of control. It makes me be even more inspired by what you, Marianne, you're doing to go into entrepreneurship, because I feel, do feel sometimes, even as somebody who's working eight to five, it gives a false sense of security. Your life is in somebody else's hands. Sometimes I think of it that way, and I'm like, they could wake up tomorrow and decide, but the I just don't want Maggie anymore. Uh, I want somebody else who's cheaper and, and, yeah, probably more efficient, whatever it is. So I completely resonate. And I feel this is something that just needs to be considered. Actually,
2: when you look at the business markets, the people who actually do really well are people who did perform in school. Those are actually the people who do really well in the wedding business. And if you look closer, those are people who had a very dynamic way of thinking. You know, for most of us, me I know, I usually tell people now I was actually not at a smart student. I was not IQ wise. IQ wise, no, no, no. listen to me. IQ wise, I would say I'm not. I'm not at the top. What I was good at was, you know, cramming um, and uh, yeah. following rules. Like you're a good student. You don't. In- internalize everything you're learning mm. just kind of know it in a very you know in an exam way you know things mm. in a, i was a good exam taker in fact
0: oh
1: yeah like,
2: i was very good at taking exams yeah i just walk in and i just knew i don't know why or how but i just knew how to take exams and honestly either you you came out with way more content than i did and you know that you came out knowing way more about that course <laughs> than I, ever did. <laughs> I ever did I mean the Kenyan system is not a good judgment of,
1: yeah.
2: of what actually matters so when you come out here, the people who do, actually, who do very well in business who aren't good in school like, there are the people who you'd say were troublemakers in school there are the people who generally couldn't bring themselves to, to, to be in that box you know, because business is which requires a very dynamic way of thinking, like a very out of box Way of thinking, you know, when the systems aren't well set up. You know, I'm talking about government systems, about generally just the systems surrounding you are not that well set up. So you have to be very good at thinking in a dynamic way. So I'd say, yeah, the Kenyan system does not prepare people for entrepreneurship. It does in any way for worship.
1: I have, I have a deep respect for people in business, but I also don't want to bash, um, you know, 85, because I guess. This the cycle is that you know when you do get in, when you start owning a business you then perpetuate an eight to five because you have employees who need to work in that business those two need to balance but I do think that we really sometimes paint entrepreneurship as something very glossy and so yeah. we're always saying that you know just quit your eight to five and just go yeah. be your own boss and you'll be happy and passionate so take take us through some of those like. <laughs> times when you're like, damn, am I really going to keep doing this? Or it, maybe, that it, maybe Ida should have really submitted that CV for me.
2: <laughs> oh, I, I, I really do think because as, if you asked me right now for my honest opinion, I'd be like, if you can get the job back, like, just get it back. But anyway, um, you've asked something so important and it's to be a romanticized business. I have romanticized it to people that haven't experienced business. People I've had people romanticizing it in so many ways and it's not glamorous at all, it's it's a lot of, it takes a lot from you physically, mentally, emotionally. But another thing I'd like to point out before I continue is that we are different human beings. Um, I could be very good at business and you could just be really good at a certain job. You know, and you're right, it's not about bashing the age to five. The age to five contribute greatly what goes on in a business in fact without the age to 5 there is no business you can't talk about having a business without the age to 5 you know mm. because a business is just basically an employee who, who runs shit do you understand <laughs> it's just mm. an employee who has this burden of managing and running things and they're responsible for so many things mm. but technically we all do age to 5 but for the entrepreneur, you have to extend. You study your work home. You're at home working. You're at home making calls. Mm. Mm. At 10 p.m., you're just thinking about your landlord and when they are going to come talk to you. You know, you're yeah. thinking about oh, I'm taking this loan here, so these are the documents I need. You're yeah. working constantly. Yeah, you can't yeah. switch off. There's no moment of switching off. It's true. Business has been romanticized. In fact, if you're going to join, you're going to become a business person. You need to accept the fact that you're always the loser. Your employees win before you, your landlord wins before you. Oh, yeah. Your suppliers win before mm-hmm. you. You you're the doormat of society. <laughs> so before the big money comes in, before you know now people are praising you and they've put all these things on you, it's 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 terrible. It's a nightmare. You know, mm-hmm. like you're you're basically accepting a lot of things and saying that you're happy with those things, where you just know, you're always the most upset at work because all the pressure is on you. You know, when your employees don't perform, that's on you. The client doesn't know your employee, they know the business. I would say if you're getting into business, come to terms with that reality first, before anything. And it's true. It's like how we, before you get married, no one tells you anything. It's the same in business. You know, you come ask me, oh, should I start a business? Yeah. And I'll be like, yeah, yeah, you do it. Like, yeah, the the product looks great. You're going to do well. But I'm not really going to get into the the details. You know, I won't talk about how depressed you'll be some days. Mm. How, yeah, there are times money is such a problem. Like money is such a big factor, you know. Like, I won't talk about all that. I'll basically wait for you to start the business. <laughs> it's not like I want you to be in trouble. I'm not doing it so it can be in trouble. It's just, yeah. it's autom- as human beings, it's automatic. When you come ask me about business, I, I won't necessarily think about the bad parts first. Mm-hmm. I'll yeah. be like, okay, yeah, you start the business, you try. You know, you never know you could be the one who figures it out. But the truth is, um, it's worse than me. 20s to yeah. you didn't know me when i was walking to work you didn't know you know you yeah. didn't know me when i was crying myself to bed you just know me when i've appeared on top 40 under 14 i'm getting yeah. a higher now you know things are good then i'm like i want to be uh, like that yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly.
0: Now i'm like now i need to quit my age to five clearly
2: <laughs> wrong. <laughs> yeah. you've gone through you've gone through things they are stating make you stronger like at some point, you don't even feel like you're insecure. You could not have rent, but mm. at some point, you just get so used to the struggle. You no longer feel like... You Are you immune? <laughs> yeah, you kind of okay. become like, I don't care, I think. You develop apathy. To be honest, we're not going to have a lot of gates or matsuka bags that no, most of us will probably fail out. But no one wants to talk about that. No one wants to talk about the fact that yeah, um, the odds of you making it are actually quite, quite low, quite low. But to have a business that survives its first three years—that's um—that's great. Like you need to be so grateful about surviving like your first three years or your first five years. You know, very few businesses go past the think. Very few, and most of those are started with loans. I
1: I always wonder you don't bear everything because yeah. you see some of the benefits of it. If people are being told the raw truth about this journey. I think a lot of people wouldn't go. So it's always a thing of just tell them enough, let them put their feet in the water, and then, and then they'll see. You'll see if they swim or if they drown. I've always wondered, you, you have a salon, yeah. um, and you didn't really know you were going to start a salon. Yeah. You were more like, I just want to do business, and I want to do anything. So you are not following a passion necessarily. Mm-hmm. It's as though you are just following the need to create something of your own. That's not a very common way. Most rhetoric is follow your passion, find the thing you love, and then go do it. Yeah. So what, what is that like, being driven by just the need to create? Is it something that you think more people should do to start anything? So for one,
2: uh, this could be controversial for some people. I don't believe in passion. Oh, explain. No. I think passion and motivation are rumor. Those are things that you know, don't exist in real life. They, they don't exist in real life. Like, um, you're going to pursue this passion and you hate it. You will come to hate it so much because business is not about passion and motivation. There's nothing like that. So you wake up and grind. Like, the days you hate yourself so much. You, it's like when we were in school, all of us, even in high school, think about it. In high school, you are not doing well because you are passionate. You are doing well because you woke up and you did it. Yeah, you had a routine. You mm-hmm. had to accomplish certain things. We fit into the system. We get to a point where mm. where you, you're convinced you like math because now you have to like it. You know, there's no, there's really no other option. That's how business is. Business is very basic. You do the accounts. You know, people think you'll be there just ordering people around, you know, just sitting in <laughs> okay. <between> your office. <laughs> Movies, movies are a lie, okay? <laughs> like, movies are a lie. Like, until you're fighting with a fundi, then you know, like, business sucks. So if you're talking about a passion, I feel bad for you because maintaining a passion is very hard. In that case, can is there no way to find a sweet
0: spot between passion and the other aspect of, now, you know, the fundis,
2: the accounting, the money. It's very money hard. Pool? Yeah. It's, it's very hard. Like, for you to stick with it, You can't be talking about passion. It's very hard to sustain that passion when you start to do the small things. You know, I feel like if you're picking a business, feel a need. Look for a gap. Mm. Look for a gap, look for a niche. You know, I think even the reason the arts take so long to take off is because when people do realize that they're not actually doing the artistic stuff, they're, they're finding themselves like doing accounts, you know, for the business. You find yourself like pulling up, hiring, you're doing HR, you are not. You find yourself not doing any artistic work at all. You're always worried about something other than the art. And you see, if you came there because of the art, how are you going to continue? How will you go on? So it becomes yeah. like a catch-22. Yes, you love what you do, what you're supposed to be doing. You see, it's supposed to be doing. It's not even what you're doing, it's what you're supposed to be doing. But you find yourself dealing with all these things that you didn't think you'd have to deal with. Understand the need you're feeling first. Come to terms with the fact that, yes, you do the accounts, you do HR, you do, you follow up with Kanjo, you know, you're doing things that you didn't want to do in the first place. Hmm. So if you're there because of your passion, you'll struggle. You will struggle. You will struggle struggle so much. I started my salon because it was simple things. Because I I felt that women were becoming more, you know, enlightened and they had more, Disposable income, so there was a high chance you know, salons would be taking off, which they did. Also, I wanted to, I didn't want to have to dress for money. <laughs> I, I really, I really, wow, priorities. Yeah, after coming from Strathmore, I was so here, like, nah, no, I'm I'm a, I'm a, but also, as I say, my parents did prepare me for that. Like, the reason I knew that I can't pick something based on passion was because I knew my parents had prepared me, they told me, like, you know you'll be passionate about, but you'll find yourself doing so many other things that do not involve your passion. So you you literally have to find other results to be in the business. And making money is a good reason. You know, imagine it's okay to say you're there for the money. It's, it makes more sense. And you know, the truth is, yeah, you could want to change the world, but make money while doing so, because the reason you're going to stick there is when you can actually see those type of results. You won't feel so passionate about your business when you can't even make rent. You won't feel that passionate about it when you can't feed yourself. Mm. This is not a fairy tale that we are living in. This is actually real life. Motivation comes when you finally get a routine. You know, you get a, a a system of doing this. And now you get the money now. When you get the money the motivation will just follow you. Like that one I will tell you for free. When you're making money, you can wake up at 3 a.m. Let me tell you, <laughs> nothing <laughs> exhausts you. Mm. So I'd say that that's that's um for me, it was just about filling a gap. Like for me, it was just about finding a business that people would need. Along the way, I discovered I was very passionate about management. You see, like along the way, I discovered like you no, know, I actually do enjoy managing people. I even enjoy the aspect of marketing on some level. I enjoy the fact that we do some content creation, but those those are not things I knew before when I was picking the business. I just found ways to make myself happy in the business. I had never, to be honest, we were I mean, needed, you know this, like we were not those people who are doing our nails and doing makeup. <laughs> we, we were not those people, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just learned how to love what I picked, which I feel is, is, it's more important in life. Find ways to make yourself happy in that situation. You see your employees growing. For me, I started, I learned how to enjoy seeing my employees grow. I learned to enjoy mentoring. People will certainly you, know you, you seem so passionate about your work, no. I live in the real world, you know? Like, <laughs> I don't think there's ever a perfect job or a perfect business or I don't think those things exist. It's you to make yourself happy. It comes with a bit of age also
1: sometimes because like you said, we are fed this idea that you'll find that thing you like or love and then you'll just be happy. It's a happy year after. It's Disney. Yeah, and we are yeah. playing all aspects of our lives in business, yeah. in love, in
2: whatever. And then <laughs> it's about learning. Yeah, maybe passion is not the best way to go about picking something you want to do for the rest of your life. You don't even keep it as a hobby, to be honest. If you want to keep loving it, if you wanna keep doing it? Keep Probably it don't like
1: monetize, monetize,
2: monetize. Yeah, it. don't monetize it. And also, even in society, we need to normalize having hobbies. You know yeah. Not everything needs to be about money. I mean, very true. But like, what? you make these good cakes. You should start selling them. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> and I, you're like,
1: <laughs> two years down the line, I'm so frustrated. I don't want I to eat another it. cake. I
2: don't, Yeah, exactly. That's exactly uh-huh. how it is by the end None of your employees is going to be trying to follow up on accounts for you. You have to do it yourself. You have to follow up with the auditor. You have to follow up with the landlord. You're know, you doing things that you didn't want to do, but they have to get done. And they have to be done by you. You're the one who runs the business, so get it done. Mm. No, you're doing sales. Me, I hate sales. You know, I just hate walking up to people and starting to promote myself. (laughs) I remember
1: uh, (laughs) when you used to try and advertise your salon, yeah, uh, you'd have flyers, and I remember the there's a day we just walked up and down like was in Baguati. We walked, giving out <laughs> flyers to it's, people. I that was so embarrassing. I mean, it's of course humanizing. now we have like, to do it, but it's so embarrassing. I felt so embarrassed to be like, hey, and some people are so rude. And now yeah. I whenever someone gives me a flyer, I actually like <laughs> take it and I'm reading it because. People would just be like, they'll take it. like, you, can you, you get away them from me? Dropping it. <laughs> they drop it in front, they look yeah. at it and drop it in front of you. And I was like, I people who do sales and I have so much
2: respect for respect you. Respect. So much. So much respect for you guys. Like people who do sales are there for the money. Let's not act. Like <laughs> that's the best job. Like sales is one of the most dehumanizing jobs. Like it's how people look at you, you know, like. No, we don't need what you're offering. Just can you get out of our space? You know, it's, it, it's tough. But I can yeah. tell you the best salespeople are making really good money. And that's why they keep going at it. Like, that's why you keep you want to keep doing it. because. And once you become good at those things, you start to love them. See, also, the more you sell and the more you can see, oh, I'm becoming really good at sales, you're going to end up loving that job. You will. But it's not what brought you there. Yeah. You are not there because you started off by loving sales because it's yeah. too like giving out flyers was one of the worst phases I went through in my business. And me, yeah, I don't take those flyers from people, I have no sympathy. I'm like, Welcome to the real world, okay? <laughs>
0: uh, wow, I think I'm just more and more fascinated. I'm just your story, Marianne. Um, I think also this brings me back to appreciating the 8 to 5 that I have, because one of the <laughs> things you said, you know, one of the things you said is sometimes you can have, you can like to do something, let's say it being an artist, then when it, you get sucked in with the accounts, dealing with funds, dealing with managers and things like that, but I guess the 8 to 5 sort of, it, it almost sort of protects you, puts you in a bubble where you don't Somebody will do your accounting for the business. Somebody is doing the money, you know, and your job literally is solely focused on this one thing that you particularly want to do, whether it's being an artist or whether it's whatever Mm -hmm. it is. It also gives, I think for me, this is more and more um, just emphasizing that aspect of how we glamorize business and trying to really just appreciate that what you have versus what it is that it takes to get to where you are right now. It's been seven years now. Yeah. Um, do you consider yourself successful? Or what what is that? Yeah. What is your metric of what success looks like?
2: It's money, it's definitely money, but um for now I wouldn't say that I feel successful. Even in fact I don't think I'm even close to being successful. I still feel like I'm like I'm learning, like I'm still you see, it's like I'm doing a PhD. You know, like, it feels now like I've graduated to a PhD level. You know, now COVID just, mm. you know, it threw us into a, a different level, a different class Ooh. of learning. Yeah. So, and even for older people, like, you meet people in their 50s and they're like, where well, COVID was a curveball, like, no one saw that coming, yeah? Mm. Yeah, there are times you make really good money, but I don't think we ever think we are successful. Like, for me, I don't think even the times I felt really financially stable, I don't the next thing you just want something else you just do you have a number though like you don't have used to, to have, tell us i used to have okay. numbers where i would i would say okay this month is what i want to make but you hit that number and then you feel inadequate you know now you want the next number it's 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 a vicious cycle like you just feel the next thing now has to happen if i'm if i'm driving a toyota right now now i need a bmw then i need this and it's uh, a moving target it's just always. yeah it's a moving target but what i did i broke down my success that's what i did i, I broke down the things that i do in the business and how successful i am at them so i can look at various aspects and like okay how is the marketing doing i feel like i'm being successful in the marketing how is the managing like now uh, training the employees hiring training and you know maintaining how how is that going am i successful Mm. That and you know, how our payments going? Like, I what I did is I broke it down compartmentalized. I think, yeah. so that's the right word to use.
1: Yeah, yeah, we can use that. Yeah,
2: because because <laughs> it's true, after a while, you, you just need to learn how to benchmark yourself differently. Business money is such a variable that it's so hard to kind of understand. Because I've met people who make so much money from their businesses, especially the guys who do supplies. You know, you know those mm. guys can make like so much money all at once, yeah. When you look at the business, if there are many gaps, yeah. As, As in management say, wise, or yeah, maybe management structured. wise or structurally, mm. you know, maybe the quality of the product yes you get like you find mm. that making money and considering yourself successful can kind of end up being so different. You know, I think I'm mm. successful at management. I think that's something I do really well. Like even if you gave me a bigger business, I think mm. I would actually do a really good job at managing. But you see, if you looked at my income, you'd be like, I who is this? Where are <laughs> it's it's hard to account for success as a business person, I think. You always feel inadequate in one way or the other. You could be making a lot of money, but you feel like, as you said, like a moving target. But I wouldn't consider myself successful. I don't think I'm successful yet.
1: Well, that was such an interesting conversation and we don't want it to end just yet. So we have a part two lined up for you. Stay tuned for that. That's it for now. Thank you for listening to Kusini, the African Grind podcast, where we dive into the amazing journeys of Africans making their mark. Look out for more episodes. Until next time, bye.